The Culture Guy Podcast. This time, it's the first transcontinental episode. It's actually the first Trans-Pacific episode. Welcome back to the Culture Guy podcast. This is the Trans-Continental Trans-Pacific episode, and we will be talking to a cross-cultural expert from down under. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Culture Guy podcast. This is the show dedicated to all of you who are passionate about cultures and how culture influences everything we do. The way we talk, the way we listen, the way we act or react, the way we feel, and the way we see the world. This is a show and a place for you to connect and engage with people from around the world with people who care about cultural understanding and making meaningful global connections and fostering diversity. Together we will learn on this show how culture shapes all of our behaviors and how we can inspire, motivate, lead, and communicate better across cultures. Join me, I'm your host, Christian Hoeveler, um, also known as the Culture Guy, on my journey with you to becoming Agents of Peace. Because I'm a strong believer that together we will make the world a more peaceful place by helping people from different cultures understand each other better. So imagine you're working on a foreign assignment, your ability to speak and understand the language of your host country is improving steadily, and you're an expert in your field and you know how to lead, and your success at home is one of the main reasons why you're here today working abroad for your company. And now you find yourself in another culture and you feel like fish out of water sometimes. During meetings, you sometimes wonder if all your A players on your team really hear what you tell them and you sense that you're not getting through to some of them. And then you remember that back home, your results were better. So now what? Now what? That's the question that many of my clients ask me because they think they... And they know that they're experts in their respective fields. They are good at what they're doing. And overseas, it doesn't always work as well as it does at home. And I sat down and had a conversation with a fellow cross-culturalist from across the globe who's been working in that very same arena for more than 15 years. I sat down with Trisha Carter, whom some of you may be familiar with. Trisha is an organizational psychologist and she's also a cultural intelligence expert, the CQ method that some of you may or may have not heard of, um, and I encourage you to look it up, CQ, cultural intelligence. 
She's also the founder of the CI Collective. It's a comprehensive online resource that supports successful cross-cultural adaptation. So Trisha and I, we had a conversation just a few hours ago, and um, I want you to listen to that recording because this lady knows what she's doing. There's a lot to learn for all of us here. Without further ado, Trisha from Sydney. Good afternoon and good evening wherever in the world you are. And we are here with, while I'm sitting in my warm summer home in the southeast of Tennessee, I'm having a conversation with Trisha Carter down in Sydney, Australia, where it is currently winter. Good morning, Trisha. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good morning, Christian. Thank you for making yourself available for this, for the Culture Guy podcast. I've been coming across your work using social media. Many, many of the guests that we'll be speaking with here in this program will be people that I met, quote unquote, met through Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and, and such. So I came across you using Twitter, and you commented on some of the posts that I made and vice versa. And that's how I learned what you do. So why don't you tell our audience in, in, in a few sentences, how did you end up, so to say, in the cross-cultural world? What brought you to to this beloved profession of ours? Thank you. Um, I have always been interested in people. So I studied psychology at university and then postgraduate did organizational psychology. And then later in life, I ended up in China with my husband's work and realized that I, what I'd learned didn't really cut it. So it didn't help me to understand the people in China. And I was a bit worried that I might be racist. Uh, and then thankfully, somebody pointed me in the direction of cross-cultural psychology. And I realized that the motivations, the thinking, the ways people operated internally were very different from different cultures. And that the psychology that I'd studied um, in the 90s was really focused on Western research. And so I became really fascinated with other cultures and how they thought, what motivated them, and what drove them. So in, I guess in losing myself and not being able to um, build relationships as easily as I was accustomed to in China, it drove me to that learning. Okay, so you, not only did you realize for yourself that what worked at home didn't necessarily work in that other culture, but you also realized that your field of study was heavily influenced by a cultural bias of the Western world, so to say, the Western value set. Um, and how long did you spend in China with your husband? Uh, we lived there for three years. And what were some of the most memorable differences that you experienced in both your work life and your personal life? Were there any learnings for our listeners on how to cross cultures from a Western culture to a Chinese culture? I, I think initially so much was so very foreign um, and, you know, and trying to sort of isolate you know, a couple of things would be extremely difficult. But the ways of the ways of working, the ways of relating to your boss, the ways of um, speaking to people you didn't know, all of those things were quite unfamiliar. So, you know, bosses were far more um, on a pedestal and um, the hierarchy was far greater than I'd ever been accustomed to. I'm originally from New Zealand, so I'm a Kiwi, I would say, at heart. And our 
hierarchies don't really exist compared to what I've experienced in China. So um, just becoming familiar with those aspects and trying to work out why why that was and how people were comfortable with that was was a challenge to me or to us. Yeah. So so the 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 power distance difference between between New Zealand and Australia and, and, and China threw you off in the beginning. How, how did you, and your husband, how, how did you deal with, with the fact that you had to be more assertive maybe or that you had to respect a chain of command that you, you were not used to in, in your natural environment? Yeah, I think um, the tendency when you're in a low power distance you introducing academic terms here in a low power distance culture is what <laughs> is is where you you seek to just build relationships from an equal standing rather than perhaps using the formality that um, makes people more comfortable so in that high power distance culture you know people were always uh, calling using titles you know and and not first names um, people were likely to Uh, not speak out about things so they weren't going to just come and say something because because it occurred to them because they weren't comfortable speaking in that way to the boss so it took a great deal longer to build relationships that felt like you could have open and honest conversations and I think we certainly got there but it took such a long time that there was this this sense of what am I doing wrong mm -hmm. um, and yes needing to feel more comfortable with with formality um, and once you know we were lucky in many senses I did not think that at the time but in looking back I thought it because we weren't living in a city where there were very many expats so we were in a city that was primarily Chinese um, and it, this was the 90s so it was uh, um, not the perhaps modern China that people are familiar with today so We were very lucky in that we did build good relationships with local people. So we really have friends there. Um, and from that perspective, I felt we got to learn and understand. And if we hadn't been able to do that, then that depth of understanding wouldn't have occurred. Um, yeah. So it was time was a factor to get used to that different way of, of relationship building and rapport building. Um, so it Would an advice be for, for future expatriates to just work on their patience level sometimes and, and be, 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 be okay with the uncertainty for a while? Absolutely. And I think to expect differences, which I think I had gone in thinking that, you know, I'd be able to easily build relationships, didn't. Um, so expect that there will be differences. Learn as much as you can from a cross-cultural perspective about what those differences might be around values, around motivations, and, and then, you know, be working on it. So if anything, the work that I'm doing now is almost all the stuff that I needed then that I didn't have. Um. Like so many of us in this field, <laughs> that we, we had the experience of failing in a different cultural environment just to study up on it and now being able to share what we learned with others, right? Yeah. So t tell us about what you do now. We've talked about before, um, you, you have a company called CI Collective. Um, I think that's the online arm of, of your company. Tell us about your business. How, how do you work in, in the cross-cultural field? Yeah. So I'm working with a number of clients here in Sydney. Um, I help people to work well with people from other cultures. So within Australia, 
we have quite a multicultural workforce. So sometimes that means multicultural teams within Australia. Quite often it means people whose, whose companies are moving them overseas, so helping them to prepare for that very move that we weren't prepared very well for. Um, also helping people moving into Australia, helping them to adapt, helping leaders who've got, who are managing people from other cultures to help them lead effectively in, in that um, sort of global environment. So helping people to use culture well at work. Okay. And your clients are mainly corporate clients or do you also work with um, nonprofits or, or government I, organizations? I there are um, multinational organizations that I work with um, and oh, there's actually a few small companies as well but uh, and some government departments, yes. Okay. And you mentioned it earlier, you're originally from New Zealand and now you are, I believe, an Australian citizen, correct? Yes. So you went from Kiwi to Aussie. Did Was that a big step for you? Was that a big change? It, it wasn't so bad. I, I probably would have said it was a big change at the time and then I had the China experience um, so then found out what a big change really was. Um, I think there were surprising differences. So it, New Zealand and Australia, uh, it's a small cultural distance and yet because uh, often the differences that exist, you, you don't see them when you're looking at them from the other country. Mm -hmm. And so it's not until you're immersed that, that those day-to-day -day differences really take effect. Um, so yeah, there are definitely differences. It's, it's similar, I think, to the USA and Canada, that sense of they, there is different government structures and those things impact on the values that people hold. And yet externally, people will look at them and hear the accent and go, oh yeah, you too, you're, you're really similar. Yeah, it's it's. I often call it the similarity illusion. Um, you 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 find it between um, Germany and Austria, for instance, or Germany and the German-speaking part of Switzerland, where people assume it's just the same, and it's not. Even yeah. even the the German-American or German-speaking North American dynamic uh, is often victim to that similarity illusion because people have traveled these countries, they've been there, they they are familiar with well the the top level layer. Of, of what that culture mm. means just to find that when they're fully immersed in living and working there that what they thought was so similar because we're all from this western cultural value set may not be exactly true and it's it's those little differences that make the difference in the workplace yeah so um you you told me earlier that you also co-authored a book called Finding Home Abroad and some of our audience may be familiar with this um those who are not why don't you tell us a little bit about that book and what motivated you to to write it Sure so it's it's a guided journal so i'm um a firm believer in reflection and getting people to observe um, both their external surroundings and what's going on inside their own heads and hearts. So when people move to another culture, uh, there is so much to see, so much to observe, so many things to notice. And sometimes journaling is such a brilliant tool because you can capture it. You can't always have your, your cross-cultural trainer or your coach on hand, but you can pull out your journal, you can write things down, and then you can reflect on them. And so I think it's, it's, it's a fantastic tool. So I wanted to make something that encouraged people to think, to question, to observe, to notice, and then to 
be able to adapt their behavior accordingly. Um, and so I, uh, I met my co-author on Twitter. <laughs> there we go. Proving yeah. again that social media brings people together. <laughs> That's right. We did meet in real life at the Families in Global Transition Conference. I'm not sure if you've heard of FIGT. Yes. It's an organization that, that, that focuses on the, the cross-cultural transitions, but in supporting the family of it. So we were both speaking and, and were nervous about our upcoming speaking uh, at a conference in Washington and, and, and bonded even further. And a couple of years later, because Rachel Yates um, and her website is the Expat Lifeline, she focuses on sort of supporting people from an organization perspective. So um, her side of the book was very much in helping people to get organized for the move. So our, the, the book focuses on that sort of first three-month stage of moving, so the, the point where you're liable to have your greatest ups and downs and, and the greatest observations and, and the, the greatest work that needs done in terms of organizing yourself as well. So, so the purpose of it is to help people through that initial transition so that they can be quickly adjusting or adapting and, and managing themselves well. Okay. How can people get a hold of a copy of that book? What's the best way to, to get that? Amazon. So we will post a link in the show notes so people will find it. Um, and there's, I think there's a, a website element. A website. to. Uh, yeah, what, absolutely. What's, what's so the website? It's expatjournals.com. Okay. And so the, and from expat journals, we also provide further resources for people who have the book. So there's a URL at the back of the book that people can connect with and, and then they're sort of a part of the expat journals community and there are webinars and, um, further resources for people who who want to continue learning we'll make sure to post it in the show notes and you will find it on the blog and you'll you'll click on the links and you get that book and you'll reach out to to rachel and of course to trisha so trisha some of the countries that you've been working with in the past you already mentioned so reflecting on on your work in the last i don't know four five six years what are some of the the most uh or the the biggest uh, contingents of clients uh, that go to certain countries so do you work with incoming to australia most or is it going out of australia into china what what are the streams of the experts that you work for um, yeah, you're certainly right. There are a, a number of people coming from all over the world to Australia that I work with in a training or a coaching capacity. Um, and yes, those countries in Asia are pretty common around here. So quite a significant number of companies are sending people up to China, um, into Singapore, Hong Kong, um, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines. I did a significant bunch of work at the beginning of the year around the Philippines, especially as people are setting up their um uh, outsourcing um, various um, aspects of their work to the Philippines. So I was dealing with some knowledge transfer groups who were needing to um, transfer, you know, various systems and processes to the Philippines. So it was very much training them on how to train um, th their Filipino counterparts. Um, and then another large component of my work is with Papua New Guinea, both people from Australia going up and Papua New Guineans coming down. The, the Our government has um, a, uh, a secondments into and into Papua New Guinea and bringing Papua New Guineans down here from um, learning Sekondi perspectives. And so that's really exciting as well to work with some of those up and coming sort of future leaders uh, as they adapt to Australia and learn and go through the processes of um, what they need to take back. 
nice. so that they can work better um, back in Papua New Guinea. And yeah, it's Papua New Guinea is a very interesting country as well. So Pacific Islands is is sort of another area. It's yeah, it's a fantastic part of the world we live in down here. Yeah, I reckon, and it's it's funny because most of the literature that we get to see here in North America or in Europe about the cross cultural work focuses on on the big differences between Western and and East Asian cultures, or in in Western and Latin America, and now increasingly West and and, and Africa, but. The Asia Pacific seems to fall off the radar once in a while when we talk about this field. So I'm, I'm happy to have somebody here on on this program that is an expert in in this area. So how do people find you if they would need assistance with the territories that you're most familiar and competent with? So um, they can get me Trisha T R I S H A at cicollective.com. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to have a discussion with anybody about any of the work that I do. Nice. And they can find you on social media as well. I found you on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Trisha Carter. Trisha Carter. There it is. And I'm sure you're on Facebook and LinkedIn and all these other nice platforms as well. We'll make sure to post the links in the notes so that people know how to connect with you. Trisha, um, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, one last parting thought. If you had to put in 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 a nutshell so to say what's the biggest advice you could give to current expats or more even better to to future experts as they go onto that journey of of cultural transition what what's the biggest piece of advice you would give them i think be curious because if we step into curiosity we're we're open And so whatever's going on around you, have a curiosity about it. Um, you know, what is this? Why is it happening? You know, what might be happening here? I wonder if. So those curious mindset will support you so much more in your learning. Excellent. So be curious. Stay nice. curious. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And, and I totally support that approach. Curiosity will get you a lot further than prejudgment. Th thank you so much for your time, Trisha. It was a pleasure having you on the program. And I would love to talk to you again in the future. Maybe we'll do a round two um, a year from now and see where we both are. And all of you who are listening, get in touch with Trisha using the links that we will be posting. Tweet to her and send her an email and cross the cultural divide and the big oceans that may connect us. Trisha, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day down under and talk to you again soon. Thanks, Christian. Lovely to talk to you. Trisha Carter, isn't she amazing? excellent to have somebody on the program who is knowledgeable of their field, who know the territory that they're covering, and to be able to share it so concisely and so expertly like Trisha just did. If you would like to get in touch with Trisha, go to cicollective.com, that's C as in Caesar and 
iCollective.com. And the journal that she was talking about, you can go to expatjournals.com. That's plural, expatjournals.com. This was our first transcontinental, transpacific podcast on the Culture Guy program. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. In the meantime, I would love for you to like this podcast, give it a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. You can also read all the articles on our blog, theculturemastery.com forward slash blog, where you found the show notes to this program. And of course, you can follow us on at Culture Mastery on Twitter, or just follow my personal Twitter handle, at Hoeveler. And I would love for you to leave some comments. What are some of the experiences that you have had in crossing cultures? What are some of the cultural fool moments you have had? And maybe what qualifies you to be the next guest on this program? We've, we've lined up a few guests already, so be prepared for the next couple of episodes. But who knows? Some of our listeners out there... You might just be what we need on this show. So don't be shy. Send us an email. Send us a direct message. Use Facebook. You can use The Culture Guy on Facebook, or you can also use The Culture Mastery. Either way is fine. And use the Twitter handles. Or you can send me an email at, uh, not at, uh, the email address is get started. That's one word. No hyphens, dashes, or stops. It's get started at theculturemastery.com So today was Trisha Carter from Sydney via New Zealand and I'm not even trying to imitate the gorgeous accent. I love it. Talk to you again next time on the Culture Guy podcast. Until then, bye bye, auf Wiedersehen, au revoir, hasta la vista.